Hello and welcome. From Murara and Company Advocates, my name is Anna Kando, an associate of the firm's real estate, banking and finance department. And this is the OCO Roundtable podcast series. In our last ESG episode, we had our guest, Linda Ipulia, who discussed how businesses navigate the emerging ESG considerations, how they can keep up with emerging trends and leverage ESG considerations to remain competitive. Today, we continue our discussion on ESG trends, legal considerations, and an overview of our regulatory framework here in Kenya. Our guest today is our very own Cindy Oraro, a partner in the firm's commercial practice specializing in energy, infrastructure, and projects, and ESG. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you very much. So um, we could go right in. And what are some of the emerging ESG trends that we have seen in the recent years on the African continent? Well, to start off with, there is a focus on renewable energy and sustainability. The African continent has been more susceptible to the negative effects of climate change, with many of its nations already feeling the effects in the form of extreme weather occurrences like droughts, floods, and other natural disasters. As a result, investors and businesses alike operating in Africa are more concerned about the ESG factors of climate change, and there is growing pressure on corporations to adopt more sustainable practices. Africa indeed has immense potential for the development of renewable energy, especially with regard to renewable energy sources from solar and wind power. As such, businesses and investors are growing in interest in the development of these natural resources with the aim of reducing dependency on fossil fuels as the cost of renewable energy continues to drop. It's important to note that Kenya is a leader globally in renewable energy generation with a lot of our power coming from geothermal as well as wind power and solar and hydropower as well. So African countries are also working on strategies to adapt and mitigate the effects of climate change, including the development of robust climate adaptation structures, building climate resilient infrastructure and climate resilient project preparation for environment and indigenous communities living on them. Um, And what about some of the social and economic factors? Well, the leaders of the continent are now joining forces to tackle the societal and economic issues affecting the people of Africa. For instance, Africa has had to contend with numerous humanitarian crises that have caused the disruption of some of their economies. As such, companies are starting to take key steps towards eradicating human rights infractions, eradicating child labor, as well as improving labor conditions. Further, there is growing recognition of the role of women in sustainable development. We'll dive into this in our upcoming episode on women in energy. To this end, we are seeing the development of policies and initiatives that promote gender equality and women's participation in various sectors. Great. And now what about uh, governance obligations? Many African nations have long struggled with what can be perceived as weak governance structures, as well as corruption. These have posed a risk and could have serious repercussions for companies operating in these environments. Consequently, there is a growing understanding that strong governance is crucial for long-term sustainability, and investors and stakeholders alike are seeking better levels of transparency, accountability, and ethical behavior to continue operating in Africa. 
Uh, thank you, Cindy. Now, seeing the rapid changes and adoption of sustainable investing and finance, um, in what ways can parties incorporate ESG-related contractual levers in various transaction documents? Contracting parties have a vital role to play in facilitating integration of ESG-related provisions in contracts and transactional documentation. Contractual levels provide a framework for parties to manage various aspects of the relationship and transaction while tailoring the specific needs and goals of the parties involved in the contract. Regarding ESG contractual levels, parties can ensure the incorporation of certain ESG-related milestones and other performance metrics that are tied to key obligations such as payment incentives, interest rates, or penalties for non-observance of specified ESG metrics. At the pre-contractual stage, ESG due diligence forms an integral part of sustainable transactions. As such, parties can include clauses that require ESG due diligence in the pre-contractual phase of the transaction. This may be used as a condition precedent in the contract, which can then ensure that certain ESG risks and opportunities are comprehensively addressed. Perhaps parties can also incorporate clauses in transaction documents that outline their responsibilities and obligations related to ESG matters. These provisions can include commitments to specific sustainability goals, reporting requirements, and provisions for ESG-related disputes or dispute resolution mechanisms. Could you also speak on how parties can mitigate ESG-related events of default in the contract documents? Well, on events of default... Parties can work with clients to define ESG-related events of default and the specific recourse that can be taken in case of non-compliance with ESG commitments. This may take the form of representations and warranties. Contracting parties may also include escrow or stakeholder arrangements with respect to transaction funds, such that funds are held until there's compliance with key ESG milestones. Finally, it is possible to rework standard boilerplate clauses in transaction documents to reflect ESG commitments and considerations, and therefore ensuring that they are intricately woven into the fabric of a contract. Based on this, lawyers and their clients should work closely to precisely identify the ESG issues arising out of a transaction. Further, parties must stay abreast of evolving ESG trends and policies, as well as best practice to effectively incorporate the same in the transaction documents. What contributions can lawyers make to advance sustainable objectives in an organization or in an institution? Matters relating to sustainability have greatly shifted from a niche concern to a material consideration for institutions and organizations to make decisions. Due to public and regulatory pressures, more institutions are being required to make room for ESG considerations. This has created room for lawyers who are now facilitating the incorporation of ESG matters into organizations through their policies and their contracts. Lawyers play a critical role in drafting and negotiating contracts that incorporate sustainability considerations, such as environmental, social, and governance clauses. They can also advise on supply chain issues, such as responsible sourcing and vendor selection. Lawyers are also able to use their legal expertise and advocacy skills to push for policy changes that advance sustainability objectives as well as the sustainability agenda. They can work with stakeholders and policymakers alike to develop and implement laws and regulations that support sustainability goals. 
uh, just a bit more on that. Uh, what uh, about the interpretation of existing laws or regulations and policies? With respect to interpreting and applying laws and regulations, particularly those related to sustainability, lawyers can help institutions and organizations navigate complex legal requirements such as environmental regulations, climate change laws, and labor standards. Further, they assist institutions and organizations in developing and implementing effective corporate governance structures that prioritize sustainability, establish board-level oversight, develop sustainable practices and policies, and ensure effective stakeholder engagement. Lawyers can also help institutions and organizations identify and manage risks related to sustainability, including reputational risks, financial risks, and legal risks. They can assist in developing policies and procedures to mitigate these risks, as well as ensure compliance with relevant laws and regulations. On to our next question. Uh, we've seen a rise in the ESG-related regulations, guidance notes, and rules in various sectors such as banking, insurance, and employment. Please may you expound on the impact these rules have or the regulations have on various aspects of impact investing and other ESG-related factors? Well, I'll start with the Central Bank of Kenya guidance on climate-related risk management. This guidance was issued in October 2021, pursuant to Section 33.4 of the Banking Act, and it empowers the Central Bank of Kenya to provide guidance to institutions with the aim of maintaining a stable and efficient banking and financial system. The main aim of the guidance is to provide banking institutions with a roadmap to integrate climate-related risks in their decision-making frameworks. The guidance has led to an increase in green lending and sustainable finance initiatives by banks to fund environmentally friendly projects such as renewable energy projects and energy efficiency projects. Please may you also tell us about the success of the CBK guidance. The guidance has been internationally recognized as a leading example of climate risk management in emerging markets, and it has therefore positioned Kenya as a leader in sustainable finance. This has attracted investment from international organizations and investors who prioritize ESG considerations. In addition, it has created increased awareness of climate-related risks among financial institutions on the impact of climate-related risks on their operations, customers, and the economy as a whole. It has also improved climate risk assessment by providing guidelines for financial institutions to assess climate-related risks. The Code of Corporate Governance Practices for Issuers of Securities to the Public came into force uh, pursuant to Section 11.3 of the Capital Markets Act, uh, which is the laws of Kenya. It places significant emphasis on good corporate governance practices. Uh, perhaps you can also tell us how this has impacted ESG-related reporting for institutions, um, but also tell us a bit about its success. Well, the Code has been crucial to promoting sustainable and responsible business practices. It requires issuers to establish a board of directors that is independent, diverse, and has the necessary skills and experience to provide effective oversight. As such, it has led to increased accountability and transparency in corporate governance practices, which are essential for promoting sustainable and responsible business practices. The Code obliges boards of directors to ensure that they have formal strategies in place to promote sustainability and that particular attention is paid to the ESG aspects of the business. 
In terms of the success of the code, well, it's important to state that the code has improved transparency and accountability among listed companies. And this has in turn led to increased investment in the Kenyan capital markets, whilst encouraging listed companies to have effective and independent boards. Therefore, overall, it has resulted in better decision-making and improved oversight of company operations. That's quite insightful. And we also have the NCEDS, which is the Nairobi Securities Exchange ESG Disclosures. Could you tell us a bit about them as well? The NCEDS provide an essential manual to companies on how they can collect, analyze, and publicly disclose important ESG information which aligns with international reporting standards, including the Global Reporting Initiative 2018. The guidelines aim to improve and standardize ESG information reported by listed companies and provide a granular as well as tactical approach to ESG reporting that meets international standards, such as the United Nations ESG reporting requirements. The motivation behind issuing the guidelines is that ESG reporting provides a framework through which investors, owners of capital, and the public at large can have a more comprehensive view of the company's activities and performance beyond its financial numbers. What about uh, its success? Do you see anything that has uh, positively come out from the implementation of the NCEDS? Very much so. The ESG reporting guidelines have encouraged listed companies to disclose information on their ESG practices, which has in turn improved and bolstered investor confidence in the Kenyan capital markets. Thank you, Cindy. As we come to the close of our second ESG episode, we'd like to express our sincere gratitude to our guest, Cindy Oraro, for sharing her insights. We'd like to also say a big thank you to you, our listeners, both near and far, for your unwavering commitment to staying informed about ESG and other legal considerations. At Oraro and Company Advocates, we remain dedicated to providing comprehensive legal guidance and support as businesses navigate the complexities of ESG frameworks and strive for sustainable growth. Remember, the dialogue doesn't end here. We invite you to stay connected by subscribing to our podcast. Your feedback is also very valuable to us, so please feel free to share your thoughts or questions through our social media channels. Finally, we hope we'll have you listen to our upcoming episodes. Until then, stay safe, stay curious and chase the boundless horizons of knowledge. Goodbye and take care.